Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down tonight's DraftKings slate of college basketball for Thursday, January 26th. We've got a nice little eight-game slate that is dominated by the Big Ten and the Pac-12. It is not quite as big as Tuesday and Wednesday slates, but it's still a pretty sizable slate nonetheless. Speaking of Wednesday slate, I can't take a full victory lap because I didn't get everything right, but I did have some successful lineups last night. If you saw the late-breaking news that Minnesota was going to be without um, Dawson Garcia and Pharrell Payne, I know I said on the podcast yesterday that Pharrell Payne was the backup to Dawson Garcia, which he was until he was declared out too. Um, If you were able to get in Jamison Battle or some of the other Minnesota bigs, you probably had a good night. And if, like I did, you thought that this would be a great spot for Trace Jackson Davis with Minnesota being without some of their big men, then you probably did well as well because Trace Jackson Davis went absolutely ballistic. I was all over Zakai Ziegler. I was all over the Wake Forest guards, and even my Creighton guys did pretty good as well. So good night for me as well. Hopefully you guys that listen to the podcast, hopefully you guys um, had a good night as well. Um, I will continue to say that the story of this week so far in DFS college basketball has been injury news. So be flexible, you know, be alert, be um, willing to adjust your lineup when it you know, just so happens that a key player is going to be out. I don't think there's going to be any late-breaking news tonight, but you never know. Um, Last night, I definitely didn't expect Pharrell Payne from Minnesota to sit out. So just make sure that you're checking Twitter, you're checking your DraftKings lineups, and seeing if there are any opportunities for guys that are going to get some increased shine because of injuries, because that was pretty much the path to winning last night, was having some of those Minnesota guys and Trace Jackson Davis in your lineup at the same time. All right, so... If you want to see my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm dropping some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. And lastly, content for the rest of the week. I will be releasing my NFL Conference Championship DFS preview here on the podcast feed. And I will also be doing another college basketball episode. Like I kind of teased yesterday morning, I'm looking to record late Friday night so that way I can preview the Saturday college basketball slate, which is always the biggest one, most anticipated one of the week. So if you want that to be a thing that continues to happen, support it. Let me know on Twitter. You know, give, you know, listen to it you know, give, give me a shout out, whatever. Um, if you want that to continue to happen, let me know because it can happen. It just, it's a little tough on my schedule. All right. So anyway, I've been talking too long. Let's go ahead and start breaking down the slate. But first a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So let's start the breakdown by talking about the guard position. So I got to be real honest, y'all. This is not my favorite slate in terms of the top options at the guard position. I feel like DraftKings kind of priced a lot of these guys up here because they felt like they had to have high-priced guards as opposed to them actually being worthy of that salary and being able to give you back value at that salary. So I'm really not a fan of these high-priced guard options. When we get to the forward position, you're going to hear the plethora of high-priced forwards that are solid options that are like really good tonight. Um, and so I really think just when building your lineups, you can kind of skip this tier of guards altogether. We're going to break it down anyway, though. First up is Kendrick Davis of Memphis. So he has been in between three and four times value each of his last three games. And in those three games, you know, it hasn't really been dependent on Memphis's scoring. They've scored anywhere from 61 to 88 points in those three games. Now, he does have a bit of a high ceiling. He has two games over 54 fantasy points this season. But Memphis has gotten a little healthier. You know, they're not quite as injury depleted as they have been. And so that might, you know, bring the usage back down to regular levels, which we've seen kind of in the last two games. They've kind of been down a little bit. So 
I'm not exactly sold on Kendrick Davis at his current price tag. If he were in the 8K range, I'd feel pretty good about him. But it's hard to you know be positive about him at this price. The one good piece of news, though, is if you are a game stacker or a team stacker, Memphis has the highest implied team total of the night. They are double-digit favorites against SMU, and they are implied 80-plus points. So, you know, if Memphis does score a lot of points... Maybe that does open up a window for Kendrick Davis, and maybe because everybody else is playing high-priced forwards, you might get yourself a little bit of leverage if you go to him as well. Jaime Jaquez, Jr. of UCLA. Outstanding player. Feels like he's been there forever, but I just don't think this is a good spot for him. This game against USC is a rematch, and the previous game saw only 118 points scored total between the two teams. Uh, and Jaime Jaquez had 22.8 fantasy points. That ain't going to cut it. For reference, the rest of this game, Drew Peterson, 23.3. Jalen Clark, 25.8. Boogie Ellis, 17.8. Tiger Campbell, you know, the best one so far, 23.5. And Kobe Johnson, 20. So there was not a single guard above $6,000 in this game that hit value. You know, kind of cap off this analysis. Two guards did hit four times value. One of them was David Singleton of UCLA, who had 22 fantasy points, so just barely. And he played 35 minutes in that game because of the injury to Amari Bailey. So he ain't going to do that again. And then Reese Dixon Waters of USC had 23 fantasy points in that first matchup. And he hasn't scored that many fantasy points in his last two games combined. So I don't have faith in him getting there again either. So this might be a game where I just kind of avoid the guard position altogether. You know, I can't say that I watched this game, but I've Watched the highlights, looked at the box score, looked at the usage rates, and it just seems like this game was kind of ugly. Like a lot of turnovers, a lot of offensive rebounds, not a whole lot of assisted field goals. And so it's not really a good spot for guards. And while I don't think that they'll all be as low as they were the first time around, it definitely doesn't bode well for playing them this second time around. Next up is K.J. Simpson of Colorado. He did not play in the first game between Colorado and Oregon, which Colorado won handily. And he's only hit four times value in one of his last five. So, I mean, maybe he has some upside, but there's just nothing there to bank on in terms of consistency or the matchup or whatever. I just, I just don't have a whole lot of faith. Now, looking down the 7K range, I do like Will Richardson. Will Richardson used to be priced much higher. He's now down here in the 7K range. The last time against Colorado, he had an outlier performance in a bad way. He had only nine fantasy points. Like I said, that was a weird game. Oregon only scored 41 points. Colorado won it in a blowout. Now, I do like how Will Richardson, though, he's been priced higher, so we know that like the upside is there. He's had 10 performances this season where he's hit four times value for his current salary. I think that tonight is a revenge game for Oregon against Colorado because I think Oregon's better. And I think that this is an opportunity for Will Richardson as their point guard to score a lot of points, as Oregon scores a lot of points. A.J. Hogarth of Michigan State is in a great spot. This is a tempo-up matchup against Iowa, who is one of the fastest teams in the Big Ten. In my opinion, Hogarth has the highest floor of any guard below $9,000 here on DraftKings tonight. Iowa has given up big performances to guards. Ice Likely of Ohio State had 42.5 fantasy points last Saturday. Jet Howard scored 34 real points last week. And Jalen hood Shafino had a big game about two weeks ago as well. So this Iowa team is susceptible to guards. I don't think they're great at defending the perimeter. So I think that A.J. Hogard could have himself a big night tonight against Iowa. 
I do like both of the SMU guards, Phelps and Nuttall against Memphis. Both contribute to rebounding and distributing, and both have hit four times value in the same game three times since December 1st. So they are stackable. This is a tempo up spot. Like I said earlier, SMU is projected to lose this game by double digits, but that doesn't mean that they're not projected a whole lot of points. They're still actually above average on this slate in terms of their expected point total. So I don't mind playing the SMU guards, either one or even both of them tonight in this tempo up game. Utah versus Oregon State. It's kind of an ugly matchup. It's going to be a rock fight, but both Marco Anthony and Raleigh Worcester of Utah have been really good as of late. The Utah offense has kind of been cooking as of late. So both of those guys, like, if you think they continue it, they're solid options. I tend to think that these are two slow basketball teams and that this isn't going to be a very high-scoring game, so the upside is going to be limited. But they've both been really good lately, so I could totally understand going back to them. Now looking at the 6K range. Jermaine Cousinard, Tyson Walker, Tony Perkins. They're all three very similar profiles. They're inconsistent, high upside options. If you're playing a GPP, I could get going to any of them. I could also get avoiding them altogether. Now, the big news in the 6K range is that Jet Howard of Michigan is likely to miss this game, which makes me really like their other two guards, Doug McDaniel and Kobe Bufkin. But the one thing I don't like is that the injury kind of seems baked into their price, especially with Doug McDaniel, who's up $600 from where he was a week ago. I definitely think Purdue is susceptible on the perimeter, but I kind of wish that their prices were a little lower. But if Jet Howard does miss, their usage is going to be up, their minutes are going to be up, and I kind of think this is a great spot for both Doug McDaniel and Kobe Bufkin. Looking at the 5K range, Arizona guards dominate this range with Kirk Creesa, Pelly Larson, and Courtney Ramey. Now, this is a rematch against Washington State, and none of the three scored more than 18 fantasy points in their first matchup against Wazoo. I do not expect that to happen again. Arizona only scored 61 points in that game, and it was their second lowest total of the season. All three of these guys can score it, can distribute it, and Arizona, one of the fastest teams in the nation, I definitely expect them to get a lot more points tonight. I would probably rank the three of them, irregardless of salary, I would probably rank them in this order. Creesa, Ramey, and then a gap, and then Larson. I think that Creesa and Ramey got to be ahead because they both distribute the ball really well. Um, Creesa is the team's leading assister. Um, Ramey is up there as well. He's not quite the assist guy that Creesa is, but Ramey does get you some boards. And Ramey's a really good on-ball defender, so he's going to always get minutes because of that. Larson is just more of a shooter who kind of is dependent on his scoring, and I would kind of rather have the guys who have the assist and rebounding upside, in my opinion. Jade Nakins of Michigan State is in this 5K range as well, and he is capitalizing on some Malik Hall minutes as Malik Hall continues to miss games. He's got 20 fantasy points in three straight games. Not a bad option. Speaking of 20 fantasy points in a consecutive game streak, Keontae Kennedy of Memphis, 20 fantasy points in four straight games. Not a bad option as well. Also, the 5K range seems to be the, the, the range of Washington guards. There's four of them in this range. Now, I've mentioned before how Washington kind of has a flavor of the day with their guards where they kind of just keep rotating and, you know, just, uh, it's just, you can't rely on one of them for too long. Their flavor of the day right now seems to be No Williams and Cole Bajima, if you expect that to continue. Now, looking down to the 4K range and below, if Javon Ruffin of Colorado continues to sit, I think that Luke O'Brien, he might not have the most upside in the world, but he is playable. Like, there's, there's a floor there. There's not exactly a super high ceiling, but there's a floor. So Luke O'Brien, playable if Javon Ruffin continues to sit. 
Speaking of Colorado guys, Julian Hammond of Colorado had a surprise 30 fantasy point performance last time against Oregon. I don't expect that to repeat itself, but it's worth noting. Aaron Eulis of Iowa has back-to-back 20 fantasy point performances. He's kind of like seeping into some minutes. He's taken a little bit away from Sanford, taken a little bit away from... There's another guard that's a backup. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, But Aaron Eulis of Iowa, back-to-back 20 fantasy point performances. From a guy at this range... I would absolutely be okay with a 20 fantasy point performance. Like, that's almost five times value for him. Um, the guy that he was taking away minutes from was Joey Dix. So, or, I'm sorry, Josh Dix. So, my bad on that one, blanking on that name. But, yes, Aaron Ewis is capitalizing on some extra minutes. Last one, Joey Baker of Michigan could see increased run if Jet Howard does miss this game. I think that that's a pretty good spot for him. I definitely think he's one of the better value plays of the slate. All right, that does it for the guard position. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's break down the big fellas. So I said we're going to be breaking down the big fellas, and we're going to start with the biggest fella of them all, and that is Zach Eady of Purdue. I mean, really, do you need my analysis? Like, he's National Player of the Year candidate. He doesn't even play a whole lot of minutes. He's just dominant. He's unstoppable. There's no matchup for him, and he's just great. Like, like you don't even need my analysis there, honestly. Now, if you want more analysis... Philip Rabrasa of Iowa, Chris Murray of Iowa, Joey Hauser of Michigan State all had big games as front court players against Michigan. Um, to me, the only like talking point against playing Zach Eady would be that he kind of puts a little bit of a strain on the rest of your salary cap, you know, because he is so expensive. But, you know, like he's Zach Eady. You know, he's worth it. So um, if you want to pay up for Eady, I totally get it. I think the ownership is going to be fairly high on him. But I do think there are enough options that people aren't just going to like lock him into their lineups. And I definitely think that there are some contrarian plays out there as well. So let's get to some more high-priced forwards. DeAndre Williams of Memphis has been over 40 fantasy points in three straight games. Now, you know, Memphis had a slew of injuries, so they're getting healthier. You know, that might not continue with the same usage rate, but he's still playing very well, playing very good basketball right now. And SMU is not very big. Dayton's Deron Holmes and Tumani Kamara as a big man tandem both had big performances down low against him back in November. Um, I think that it's definitely an option to attack this SMU front court with DeAndre Williams. Chris Murray of Iowa, no analysis needed. He's in a great spot against Michigan State. Brandon Carlson of Utah, three straight games over 45 fantasy points. And in those three straight games, Utah has scored in between 56 and 86 points. So he's not depending on games being super high scoring to get his. Now, the counter argument against Brandon Carlson would be that one of those big games he had was against Washington, which is a plus matchup for bigs. And I mean, that's true, but like he's done it three straight games and now he's going up against Oregon State. Like, I kind of think this is a really good spot for Brandon Carlson. Zulus Tubelis of Arizona had 51 fantasy points against Washington State the last time they played. Teammate Umar Ballo had 20.5 fantasy points in that game. So between the two of them, I would definitely prefer Tubelis. I don't think necessarily that he repeats the 51, but he is in a good spot. Because like I mentioned, that was a pretty ugly game for Arizona. They only scored 61 points. So he does have a pretty high ceiling against Washington State. And they did show trouble matching up against them in that game. Hunter Dickinson, in my opinion, is the ultimate Zach Eady leverage play because a lot of people are going to go into this and think, oh, Michigan going up against Purdue, Hunter Dickinson going up against Zach Eady. I don't want Hunter Dickinson. Skip. Now, I think Hunter Dickinson could actually pose some matchup problems for Zach Eady. Michigan runs a lot of 
I don't want to call it five out because he is a true center, but they run a lot of sets where Dickinson is away from the basket and he and he's at the three-point line or in the mid-range and they're getting him involved in dribble handoffs, screen and rolls. You know, Dickinson gets involved in the offense from a distance and he can shoot it from out there as well. Not the most efficient three-point shooter, but he does have the ability to knock it down. So if Purdue is like, well, we don't want Zach Eady going out that far. It could create a lot of opportunities for Hunter Dickinson, or it could actually get Zach Eady off the floor. So I think it's an interesting, interesting play with Hunter Dickinson. I really do. And another thing you got to remember, there's no Jet Howard likely, so he could have increased usage. So I kind of think this is like a really good leverage play if you don't want to play Zach Eady to play Hunter Dickinson. Now, granted, am I saying that he's automatically going to go for 45 fantasy points? Absolutely not. But am I saying that there's basketball logic and reasoning to see that this could be a really good play? Yes. Yes, I am. Now, looking down at the 7K range, Muhammad Gwayi of Washington State has been kind of a dud lately, but he did have 53.5 fantasy points against Arizona last time they played. That is certainly worth noting. Philip Rabrasa of Iowa can continue the trend of centers doing well against Michigan State. We saw it with Zach Eady. We've seen it time and time again. I think that this could be another solid spot to play Rabrasa. Arizona State's Warren Washington had 32.5 fantasy points last time they played against Washington. Kind of ironic, but I think he's in a pretty good spot. He is a seven-footer going up against Washington, a team that plays a lot of zone, getting those offensive boards. I think Warren Washington is in a good spot as he plays his namesake. Joey Hauser, not like in a not like my favorite option on the slate, but he is in a tempo up spot against Iowa. There's gonna be a lot of scoring in this game. Michigan State's easily gonna put up 70 points. So I think that he is in a fairly solid spot. And Tristan De Silva of Colorado. He is like the Umoja Gibson of forwards. Like Umoja Gibson is the guy that I mentioned the other day is the GPP king because you never know when he's going to go for 50 or like 17 fantasy points. And Tristan Da Silva kind of has a little bit of that game log as well from the forward spot for Colorado. And, you know, he did have a 50-point performance, 50 fantasy point performance, that is, last time against Oregon. So, I don't know, solid spot to play Tristan Da Silva, maybe? I'm not saying that it's without risk, but there definitely is some upside. Now, looking at the 6K range, there is only one play that I'm interested in. It's a pretty small range, and that is Adam Bona of UCLA. He had 26.5 fantasy points last time they played USC. We've seen bigs have ga- have really solid games against USC. Azulus Tubelis of Arizona had 37.8 fantasy points against them. Warren Washington of Arizona State had 40.5 fantasy points against them. So I think this is a pretty good spot for Bona, especially if this game kind of has the same flow where it's ugly, it's a rebounding game, it's a second chance points game. I think that this could bode well for Bona. In the 5K range, if you're looking to make the ultimate Zach Eady leverage lineup, Caleb first needs to be in it. Because if you think that there's a possibility that Hunter Dickinson takes Zach Eady away from the basket and Mac Painter is just like, okay, I, I see what you're doing, Michigan. I'm just not going to play Zach Eady. I'm going to play Caleb first. Then Caleb first is going to get a lot of run. So I actually think a very interesting stacking option would be Hunter Dickinson and Caleb first. Um, and in fact, I think you could put one of the Purdue guards in there as well because if Eady's not in, it's going to be more scoring for Fletcher Lawyer or Braden Smith. So if you're looking to like create the ED leverage lineup first, it's got to be in it is the point that I'm trying to make. 
Now, another option in the 5K range is Glenn Taylor Jr. of Oregon State. He is the high floor option in this range. He had 18.5 fantasy points last time they played Utah. I still think this is going to be an ugly game, but I do think Glenn Taylor Jr. is your floor guy in this range. In the 4K range and below, Michael Rattage of Oregon State has two 30 fantasy point performances in his last four games, and he had 19.3 against Utah last time. We would absolutely take that from somebody of his salary. Now, the guy that I think is going to be the most popular play on the slate is Jackson Kohler of Michigan State. He is picking up a lot of the Malik Hall minutes. He's a freshman, and he's only getting better as the season's going on. He is 34.3 and 16.5 in his last two games. And in those two games, he's averaging 1.2 fantasy points per minute. That is impressive. Like, that's a very solid total. And so I think that Michigan State is going to go to him a lot. Like, you know, I was a pretty big team, so they're going to have to match size with him. And I think that he is going to be the highest owned play on the slate just because of how cheap he is. And, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed to get run with him at a price tag that low. Now, so what that means is, like, when you play him and he's 50% owned, don't be surprised. And don't be surprised when, if he has 20 fantasy points, and you're looking like, why is my lineup with Jackson Kohler not winning anything? Well, it's because everybody else has Jackson Kohler. So I think that he is a very good play, and I think that he will be a popular play. Um, And I'm not going to let that scare me away. I think that the amount of sour relief he gives you makes a lot of the rest of the lineup building possible. All right, so that does it for the forward position. Looking at the lineups as a whole, y'all heard all the options. I think it's definitely the night to pay up at the forward spot and to try to find some of those mid-range guards um, in the 6K and the 5K range that can you know fill out that part of the lineup and then find a few values um, along the way as well. I will probably be playing Jackson Kohler. I will probably have one of the Oregon State guys, one of the forwards in it as well. Um, And then really kind of tailor your lineup to whichever big man you're building around. Like if you're playing Zach Eady, I wouldn't play Hunter Dickinson against him. You know, if you're playing Hunter Dickinson, I wouldn't play Zach Eady against him. Now the Iowa and the Michigan State guys, might those make for interesting stack partners? Yeah, but, uh, you know, just kind of tailor your lineup to the game flow that you're expecting of whichever big man you are deciding to go with. All right, so that does it for this analysis. If you want to see how I put all that together into my build, my lineups for tonight, head on over to the um, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Had a little bit of a brain fart there. And also, make sure that you follow me on Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks, drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the podcast. And as I mentioned all week, we are now on five of the world's most popular podcasting platforms. So if you're on one of these new platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, iHeart, please rate and subscribe. It really helps me out a lot. Even write a review on Apple if you're feeling generous, all right? But the rating and the subscribing helps me out a lot, trying to build out this audience, which is growing day by day. We had the most listeners yesterday to a college basketball episode that we have had all season, and I'm looking for that to continue. Speaking of which... Looking to do a Friday night, you know, previewing Saturday morning college basketball episode this week. If you want me to continue that, let me know by shouting it out on Twitter or, you know, rating and reviewing the podcast or just listen to it because if there's a lot of listener numbers, I'm going to be pretty convinced to keep doing that. All right. So anyway, best of luck to you guys in your DFS endeavors tonight. Make sure you check out the NFL show coming up later this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.